Welcome back to Moose's Mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Dryzak, with a special presentation here on an early Sunday. A special show in that you get it extra early this time. Last week we talked close Indy 500 races and had a close one that week. And we talked veteran running backs who could have an impact right away. But this week is the Belmont Stakes. So horse racing leads into our past mulligan of the week. Everybody's in line and they're off. That was some famous footage from when Secretariat locked up his Triple Crown at the Belmont Stakes. Another Triple Crown winner was Affirmed. However, we're not talking about Affirmed. We're going to talk about Al Yadar, who was the famous American thoroughbred horse who came in second to Affirmed in every race of the Triple Crown. <laughs> With each race, Al Yadar narrowed the margin of victory. Affirmed won the first race by one and a half lengths of the Kentucky Derby, then by a neck in the Preakness, and by a head in the Belmont Stakes. Aliadar has been described as the best horse in the history of thoroughbred racing to have never won a championship. Did you expect me to believe you? Here's what the live broadcast sounded like at that Belmont Stakes. Right in the middle of the strap. It's Alidar and Affirmed battling back along the inside. We'll test these two to the wire. Affirmed under a left-hand whip. Alidar on the outside driving. Affirmed and Alidar heads apart. Affirmed's got a nose in front as he come on to the wire. That's the finishing point and he can't type. That's a tough loss to take. Now moving on to the present mulligan, we're going to switch over to baseball. All I know is... When we win a game, it's a team win. When we lose a game, it's a team loss. For our present mulligan, we're going to bring in Mark Berkowitz to talk some baseball with us. So we're going to welcome into the show Mark Berkowitz. How's it going? How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. How's everybody doing today? Oh, we're doing good. So... Uh, since you know a lot about the Padres, we're going to ask you, uh, after the Padres traded away Adrian Gonzalez to the Red Sox, and then Rizzo, who they got back to the Cubs, feels like the Padres just can't get on the right foot. Are the Padres on the right path, or what do you think they need to do to get back on track? You know, honestly, right now, I think they are on the right path. If you look at what Preller has done the last couple of years, he's pretty much traded away all the big contracts, like Matt Kemp. And James Shields, and he's and he's gotten some pretty good prospects out of it. So he's kind of what he's done is almost uh, a huge rebuilding, getting rid of all the gold, all the old guys, all the big contracts, and bringing these younger guys. And the draft picks they just had, like Hunter Renfro and Manny Margot, the signing in the trade from uh, from Boston, uh, they brought in a bunch of really good prospects, and so. I think what's happening now has been real, real good for the Padres. It's still going to take a couple years. Uh, I think at best, at the earliest, they're going to start contending in 2019. Because they still have a lot of their young pitching that's still down in the lower levels of the minors. And you can only get so far with the likes of Trevor Cahill and Clayton Richard and Jared Weaver. Uh, 
but I think they are on the right track. And the way he stockpiled the minor leagues with these these international signings has just been incredible to see. And after years of these guys that we've traded away and then have become stars like Rizzo and Corey Kluber, who we had at one time. It's just, this is a nice change of scenery. Uh, I can deal with the the uh, 17 and 35 record uh, knowing that this is going to be a good, good team uh, here in the next Definitely. Definitely nice to see some Padres rising up to become stars now with the Padres yeah. in their uniforms. So yeah. another team in that deal was the Red Sox. So how do you think they feel now? Compared to how the, when they first made the Chris Sale trade this offseason. Well, I mean, anybody, anytime you can get a guy like Chris Sale, you're going to feel better about yourself. And looking back at the trade, what they did was they got rid of, they, they traded Yohan Moncada, who in his showing last year really, really struggled hitting major league pitching. Wow. And the Red Sox at this point, the only place they really had a place for him would be third base. But you're not paying Pablo Sandoval $200 million to ride the bench. Uh, so they got to get Pablo his time. And so they trade a guy who struggled hitting major league pitching. They traded a pitcher who who can who can hit, you know, 103 on the gun, but has some serious off-field issues. Uh, so that putting those together, trading your top three prospects who you, you think, you know, that eh, could be good, but could be a problem for us in getting a guy like Chris Sale. Uh, it's just, you, you feel good about that, especially with, with how he's performed this year. Uh, the win-loss record doesn't show it, which is, you know, pitcher wins are the stupidest stat uh, in baseball. Definitely but, agree on that one. Thank you very, but, very much. I mean, the dude with six straight games striking out 10 or more guys. He's, he's leading the league in strikeouts by 20. Uh, he's just been incredible. And now that they've got David Price back, now you got Chris Sale, David Price, and last year Cy Young winner Rick Porcello. That's a hell of a one-two-three that's going to compete with just about anyone. And with Porcello underperforming, they're still in the playoff hunt. Definitely, still exactly. a good, still in contention. Yeah, you know that lineup's going to hit. With I mean, not having David Ortiz is such a huge, huge loss, and there's no way you're going to be able to fully replace him. But that lineup can hit. Mookie Betts. Hanley, Xander's starting to, to show power. You know, you got the gamer and Dustin Pedroia. And it's just that whole squad, I think, should win the AL East and should contend for that World Series. Tough for me to agree as a Yankee fan, but it yeah, is starting it's starting to become more clear to me each day, I'll tell you that. But yeah. the last team involved in those trades was the Chicago Cubs, and I can tell you their fans are already panicking. But Uh-oh. do you think they need to do something to right the ship, or is it too early to start causing this panic attack? Here's the thing about the Cubs. Their hit was not any turnover minus Dexter Fowler and and uh, he pitches for the Royals now. I can't think of his name. Oh, wait, they brought in Wade Davis. No, they brought in Wade Davis, but they also... Oh, they lost Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill, right. Outside of that, uh, there hasn't been that much turnover. Uh, so it's pretty much the same team. It's just everybody underperforming right now. Jake Arrieta's got oh, like a 4 ERA. Definitely. Anthony Rizzo's hitting in the 220s. They, all it's going to take for them is just they're going to perform better. 
Wade Davis is doing magical things out of the bullpen. Last time I checked, he still had a zero ERA. Um, you know, that team's going to be good. And they kind of had a month like this last year where they went 14 and 16. I mean, they did get, just get swept by the Padres. They had a tough West Coast trip, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough one. But looking at the, the division they play in, who's really going to beat them? You know, there's, I, you know, the Brewers aren't, they're not good. Uh, they're playing well, but they're not going to hold it. The Reds, outside of Joey Votto and, and Adam Duvall and Zach Kozar, don't have anything. They don't have any pitching. So they're not going to contend. So it's, it's between the Cubs and the Cardinals and maybe the Pirates. And I don't even think the Pirates are going to contend. So, you know, the Cubs, they just got to keep doing their thing. I think it's still a little too early to make a big move. Uh, if it's still like this in, in two, three weeks, then that's when you'd be like, okay, we got to do this. We got to go out. We got to get that pitcher or maybe that bat, you know, that may put us you know, over the top again like we were last year. Definitely agree with that. Thanks for coming on, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. It was a pleasure. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. Definitely got to agree there on the Cubs. I think the guys they have now just need to step up versus making a big switch or blowing it up right now this early in the season. Arietta's got to get his ERA down under that 4-6 it's at right now. If Lester could get back under a 3-5, they're in business. And then Rizzo's hitting 230, that that should change, and the Cubs should shouldn't have to worry too much about that. For the Red Sox, and Mark knew this was coming, I'm going to have to differ on opinions a little bit in that the Red Sox third basemen are hitting just about 240 combined, which has really put a black hole in their lineup. And on the pitching side, they do have Chris Sale going for them, and Craig Kimbrell has been solid on the back end of that bullpen. But Porcello and Pomerantz with their over 40 ERAs are going to have to adjust to help this team make a run against a Yankees team that has risen above expectations and an Orioles team that without Zach Britton is hanging in there. David Price coming back should help though, as long as he avoids the DL. And all I can say about the Padres is it's nice to see them have some prospects that are actually raising eyebrows while they're still on the Padres. I can't have even one shred of doubt, I believe. Now we're going to move on to our future mulligan, and we're going to be talking the NBA draft. Joining us to talk basketball will be our NBA expert, Ben Huff. Hello. So welcome in, Ben Huff. Ben, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing really good. So with the NBA draft coming up in a few weeks, I uh, wanted to talk to you about who you think might be the most underrated player entering the draft this year. Yeah. Underrated player, I have Jordan Bell from Oregon. Averaging 10 points a game, 8, point, uh, 8 rebounds a game, 2 assists, and 2 blocks a game. He's an outstanding shot blocker. Great athleticism, uh, defensive versatility. He runs before and is a great lob target. The only thing with him is that he's limited offensively. He's slightly undersized, and he needs to work on his one-on-one offensive jump up. Uh, and uh, who do you think he would be a good fit for this year in the draft? Um, to be honest, the Lakers. Um, yeah. We could use a guy who actually plays defense. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, for uh, 
We're going to go the other way now and ask uh, who the most overrated player in this draft do you think it is? Overrated, I got Terry Giles from Duke. Uh, he's a one and done, and previously he has two bad injuries to his knees a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus in the left knee, and a partial tear in his right ACL. Uh, and these injuries do not look good. Uh, Speaking from a medical standpoint, I can trust you on that one. Definitely uh, don't, especially that early in the draft and where I'm seeing where he might be going is very risky. Exactly. Some, some draft uh, orders have him going 8 to the Knicks. Some have him going 20th to the Portland Blazers. Well, that would be classic um, Knicks, so classic Knicks on yeah. that one to take him. <laughs> so, yeah, the last question we have for you is, uh, so entering this draft... Uh, what team do you think stands the best chance of contending with these Cavs and Warriors this next year? Mainly the Warriors, apparently. Well, this Boston's probably in the best spot to do it. They have the number one pick, and if they use it, they can get Fultz, uh, or they can trade it away for Paul George and add another star player to their team. Definitely, that would be a scary lineup either way. All right, Ben, thank you so much for joining in. Thanks for having me on. Take care now. Bye, bye, Ben. Gotta agree with Ben there. Would love to see the Lakers sneak out that secondary sleeper pick to go with Lonzo Ball. And then next year possibly sign Paul George in free agency. You're looking at another powerhouse in L.A. For the overrated, those injuries are always a tough thing in basketball. You know, not as big of a guy with knee problems like Greg Oden. But you always got to be careful with injuries in this league. And for the Celtics side, any team that makes the conference finals and has the first pick in the draft the next coming up year is going to be in good shape. But to see Isaiah Thomas come around at age 28 and have a career year, a very young team from Avery Bradley to Jay Crowder, Jalen Brown, they've got a lot of potential on this team. And if they do have the first pick and they take it, or if they trade the first pick and add Paul George to their lineup at the three, it would be real interesting to see the flexibility of them going against a team like the Cavs or the Warriors. And with head coach Brad Stevens, who in my mind is one of the smartest coaches in the league to take this team so high already, there's a lot of potential. Hey, might even be Celtics-Lakers again for all we know in the future. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. I'd like to thank my guests, Mark Berquist and Ben Huff. Thank you very much. Make sure to catch Moose's Mulligans every Sunday here on SoundCloud. Yummy! And give us a follow on Instagram and a like on Facebook to stay up to date with all Moose's Mulligans news. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, fairways and greens, no mulligans. See you next week.